We're going to read a short portion of scripture. And I just want to share with you that this morning I got up and God began to speak in my prayer meeting. He began to talk to me and shared with me exactly what he wanted me to say today. Now I know this may seem like a lengthy portion of scripture, but I'm going to read it as quickly as I can because you got to hear the whole story. Amen. You must hear the whole story and then we'll pray and then we'll preach. But in the Bible it says in the book of Acts chapter 26, and let's read it. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, You are permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. He said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I'm accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, known all the, know all the Jews, he says, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. In fact, there's another portion of Scripture where Paul said, I was blameless. I mean, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the greatest of religious, blameless. I lived that law, let me tell you, in my own eyes and in my own standing. But he said, and now I stand, though, and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise are twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. Many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Above the brightness of the sun. Can you imagine that? Shining around about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. God knows the language of the longing of our heart. Amen. And He'll speak to you in the language you understand that's going to most minister to you. But in the Hebrew tongue, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks or the goads. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things 
which thou hast seen, and of those things in that which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and all Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. What a wonderful reward for preaching the gospel. Those that loved you now want to kill you. But he goes on to say, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning does make you mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I love how Paul stopped and he addressed Festus for just a moment. But then he went right back to where he was speaking and who he was speaking to. He didn't skip a beat. You know, sometimes we get too off chasing voices and devils when we just need to do what God told us to do. Amen. Don't chase devils. Some people online need to hear what I'm saying to you. Don't go chase the voices that are coming after you. Just go and preach the gospel. Amen. Don't worry, they're going to say things about you anyway. Just go on and preach the gospel. There's a work that must be done. And see, what happens is the devil gets people sidetracked and then they get off course of doing what God called them to do. The whole purpose in the first place. So he said, Festus, I'll address you for a second, but we're going to come right back here to King Agrippa because it's obvious that you're not going to listen. But he is at a place of persuasion right now. And he said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Whew. Almost. I can tell you, we need to move from almost to uttermost. <laughs> but Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man does nothing worthy of death or of bonds. And then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And we know that Paul went, and he stood before Caesar, and he ultimately 
uh, was martyred for the kingdom, for the gospel, and for the message that he preached. But I can tell you, thank God, he did exactly what God told him to do or we wouldn't have this Bible here in front of us. Would you pray with me this morning over the word Father? We thank you for the privilege and honor to be here. I thank you for this congregation. What a beautiful crowd. What a beautiful congregation this morning. And I believe that everyone that is here is here because you brought them here. You sent them here. You wooed them here and led them here because you want to speak something to them today, Lord, and minister to their lives. And I pray that you will just let me be a carrier of your anointing this morning, that the Spirit of God would fall upon me and Bring the anointing and the unction from above that would give preaching effectiveness, God. This morning, speak, Lord, from my mouth and minister and challenge and encourage and give us, Lord, reason and purpose, God, for all of this in you. We thank you today and I pray your blessing upon this word. In Jesus' name we ask and thank you. And everyone in the church said... Praise God, praise God. I want to preach this morning a message I have entitled Encounter with God. I didn't get it out of a sermon book. I got it from the throne of God. Amen. I'm grateful this morning, but I'm preaching this message, the encounter with God, because everyone in this 26th chapter had some measure of encounter with God. Paul did. Those that were with him saw the light or experienced the light. Maybe they didn't have the revelation that he had, but they were where the presence of God was and they were affected by it. King Agrippa was affected by it, by the, the, the witness upon Saul's life and in his life. Festus was affected by it. Everybody that was in Agrippa's court there was affected by the witness and the Spirit of God upon Paul. Let me just say to you today, that's what we need in this generation. 2024 is going to be a year of encounter for the body of Christ. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. 2024 is going to be a year of encounter. It's going to be a year of great outpouring. It's going to be a year of great power that's going to be released. It's going to be a year where the harvest is going to be reaped. And when you say amen, you're saying it in faith. And you're agreeing with what God is saying to the church today. He's prophetically speaking that I'm going to bring my church into an encounter with me like they've never experienced before in a greater way than ever before. And look out, I've come to tell you, because you're going to see things you've never seen before. Now I ask God for a word and a word that would speak by a broad span. Not a broad way, but a broad span. I said, Lord, there's people in there on different levels and different places. And he spoke. He's so faithful. Amen. He's so faithful. But this chapter is speaking to us. And let God speak from his word to us. Amen. It starts out with Paul's life before his encounter. He shares that 
very briefly. People need to know what God can do in your life. And they need to have faith in what he can do in you and what he's done in you. And that's why we have a testimony. Because when they see where God has brought you from, they say, I know there has to be a God in heaven that did what he did in your life. Amen. There has to be a God in heaven. There has to be a God in heaven, Philip, for you to be here. There's a testimony that men from your past say, watch it around that guy. But I said, when Jesus comes into your life, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not the same. You're different. So I don't have to watch my wallet. I don't have to watch my belongings because I'm here next to a man that's my friend, but he is the friend of God too. So it's important that we share where we came from because it's a testimony of what God has done. And people see that and they say, I know the power of God is real. So testimony is very critical. That's why the Apostle Paul shared it. Now Paul's greatest miracle was deliverance from religion. Now let me just say this. We need doctrine. We desperately need doctrine. And for all the people that say we don't need doctrine, let me show you what doctrine, what a religion or a a Christianity without doctrine is. I'm going to show you. Right here. You see this coat? I love this coat. I love Jesus, but I like the coat. But this coat, if it doesn't have doctrine holding it up, But when you've got doctrine, I'm giving you an example. When you've got doctrine, it holds up that Christian experience. For all of you non-doctrine people, we need doctrine. So that some egghead doesn't say there's nine people in the Godhead. I'm not going to say who said it. I'm telling you it was said. And people can't just come and say, well, the Spirit told me. Well, the Word of God doesn't agree with that. That's why we need the Word. And we need doctrine. And it's important. And that, I can tell you, is what holds up everything that we stand upon. Not our emotions, not our feelings, and not what we think, but what the Word of God says. And the Spirit of God comes along with it, and it's right there in concert with it. And that's what gives it so much power. It's the Word of God that is the Spirit of God behind that Word. But we cannot operate outside of the Word of God. So... But the greatest deliverance, getting back to this, that Paul had, the greatest miracle was deliverance from religion. In other words, activity without the real truth of God and the power of God behind it. There's things that go on in the church that are just activity but they're not doing anything to change a person's life. God said, preacher, make sure that when you preach, you preach messages that are going to exercise people unto godliness. Amen. 
I didn't fill you with the Holy Ghost for you to get a shake. You'll get a shake. You'll shake. You'll shout. You'll jump. But let me tell you, he said, I filled you with the Holy Ghost to make you a holy man and to preach messages and pro prophesy and speak words from my word that will see people delivered. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Apostle Paul was delivered from religion. Amen. Religion kills. But God, through Christ Jesus and the gospel, gives life. And life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Nobody is born a Christian. They're born again into Christianity. Oh, Pastor, why would you even say that? That's foolishness. George Bush Sr. said to George Bush Jr., whenever he claimed in his book that he got born again, he said, well, George W., amen, we always called him W., it's W., but if you're from Texas, it's W. I'm not from Texas, I'm from Missouri. But George W. Bush was trying to convince his parents that everybody needs to be born again. And his dad and mom said, well, George, we were born as Christians. And you had to be born again because you lost your way. And I said, that's religion right there that does not tell you that everybody needs to be born again. Nobody's born into this thing a Christian. Nobody, you say, well, we were born into a Christian nation. We're not as Christian as we used to be. In fact, it's becoming scandalously clad with Christianity garments. Come on now. You don't, you don't see a lot of Christianity. I know we're fighting. Don't look at me now. Let's just be real. Let's keep it on the real. This country needs a revival. Amen. They don't just need a revival politically. They need a revival spiritually. We got to come back to God. We got to come back to holiness and righteousness and purity and truth and living right but nobody's born as a Christian you become born again everybody's born into this life in sin the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory thank God we don't have to stay at that fallen state we need to be born again because we have a fallen nature we were born into this life with a sinful nature, fallen short of the glory. The whole purpose of Jesus dying so we could be, be born again and saved is to bring us back up into that place of glory. Not stealing his glory or taking his glory, but being in the glory of the work of the cross. Paul said, if I glory in anything, I glory in Christ. I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross. Now Paul couldn't rise and stand until he realized he had fallen. Jesus had to bring him to a place where he was down on the ground. There's a lot of people, they won't come to the altar because they don't want to kneel at the altar. 
I'm going to tell you, if you're going to get right with God, you're going to come down to this altar and you're going to have to bow a knee and you're going to have to say, Lord, I'm telling you right now, I realize I've got to come in humility and surrender before you and God will get in the midst of that. But if you and I are going to have an encounter with God, He's going to bring us to a place where He brings us down so He can bring us up. You've got to know you're lost before you can get saved. Are you hearing me today? But the Bible says in verse 14 and verse 16, it says, and when we were all fallen to the earth, everybody on that Damascus road, we began to hear a voice speaking in the Hebrew tongue. God knows how to talk to you right where you're at. Hallelujah. He knows how to talk to you right where you're at. Hallelujah. He knows how to tell you the things that you're living in is sinful. He knows how to tell you, you keep going down that dark road, all you're ever going to get is that kind of a life. But he'll tell you, if you will just fall before me and begin to be humbled before God the Bible says in verse 16 he said but rise and stand upon thy feet God wants to bring us to a place where we're humbled before him so we can stand up oh I don't know if y'all are excited as I am hallelujah I know a truth this morning I have a truth here from his word I love this what's glorious is God's grace to bring Paul to that place and to bring you and me to that place. That break in the road that we're on. Some people, God needs to break the road that you're on. He needs, you need to thank God He broke the road you were on. Amen. God bless the broken road. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're saying today, well, I wouldn't have come to Jesus you know, had this not happened and that not happened, I probably would. I'm going to tell you right now, He may have brought something to pass, but you ought to thank God He did. Thank God He took away what He needed to take away. Thank God He leveled you where He leveled you so that you could could come to him. God bless the broken road in your Christian experience. Oh, my God in heaven. My God in heaven. That break in the road that we're on is not a dead end. We need it. We need it. It's a life encounter on the road that we're on. God still used Paul in Damascus. Damascus wasn't a dead end for him. It was a new beginning. A lot of times we think, I'm going down this road. I had a dead end. No, God doesn't bring you to a dead end. He brings you to the end of yourself. But he said, there's a place I'm taking you. He still used Paul in Damascus just differently. He wasn't persecuting. He was preaching the gospel. He was making an impact. Thank God for his divine intervention and gracious interruption. Aren't you glad God interrupts your life? Aren't you glad he interrupts your life? Come on now. When I got saved, right before I got saved, I wrecked my little Honda Prelude. I had just bought it, had it six hours, drove it off the side of the road, hit trees, totaled it, and I'm sitting on the bumper of that car as every person that ever talked to me about God drove by what do you mean pastor I'm telling you people that were my neighbors people that were my friends people they're driving by and they're looking and they said are you alright I said yes 
my car's a mess, but I'm all right. One of them said, is there somebody in that car with you? I said, no, I was by myself. Then I'm sitting there, and every person that was in my life that talked to me about God, every person, they're driving by on that highway. You know everybody has to stop and look. You know what God was doing? He was reminding me. Remember when that, remember when Alan Heaston talked to you? Remember when Andy Valentine talked to you? Remember when this one, I'm just looking, I'm thinking. It's a new beginning. After that, I come up out of there and I told my mom, I'm going to church. Well, just go on down there where we're going. I said, I ain't going down there. I'm no, no disrespect, just real. Amen. I'm not going to go down somewhere where they're putting their cigarettes out in the front, in the front of the, the church doors. Well, you know, some people struggle. I said, the worship leader on the platform, he don't need to be smoking. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about somebody that just came in off the streets or something or somebody that's really genuinely struggled. I believe in praying for grace, and I believe in loving people, and I know people have issues and they have things that they struggle with. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to lead me into the throne room. Put out your Marlboro. I said, I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there. I said, I want to go where I know God's going to do something with me because and in me because I got problems. I got issues. I got things that I'm not even talking to you about. I'm not telling nobody. I need God. And so the Spirit of God led me to a place where the life of God was. And thank God I had an encounter. Amen. I had an encounter. I had my own Damascus road. And God had a divine intervention and a gracious interruption to bring a course of change. And we all need, all we need is one encounter with God. And just as Jesus said to Paul, he's saying unto us today, it's hard to kick against the pricks. It's hard to kick against the goads. There's people here today, God is dealing with you. He's dealing with you. I know he's dealing with you. And you need to stop kicking against the goads. What God's telling you, service after service, you need to go to that altar and pray through. You need to get in that altar and pray through. You need to make things right, amen. You, you, you need to get in that altar. Let God do the rest, amen. I, can't, I don't have the power to do what God's asking me to Yeah, He'll give you the power if you'll just submit to Him, amen. He'll give you the power. He'll change your life. There's people in here, you need to quit kicking against the goads and quit pushing against the pricks of God and the dealing, the terrible dealing of God. That is God's mercy. It's hard, he said, to kick against the goads. Those thorns are harsh reality that you're not your own creator. Your breath is not in your own hands. It's in God's hands. You're not your own boss. You're not your own God. Let me tell you something. You may think you're your own God, but God will land you flat on your back and show you that everything that you have, you owe to Him. You can't live without Him. Amen. That's what He did to Paul. Paul thought, actually Saul, but became Paul. Thought he had it all in the bag. I can tell you, we have to know 
that the harsh reality is that we are not our own creator, we are not our own boss, we are not our own God. That is Satan's dark lie that you'll be just like God. The encounter proves that that's false. Our lives, godless or absent of his presence and unsurrendered, persecute rather, persecute God. They persecute God. We fight against God when we're not surrendered. And we, we become, as the Bible says, the enemy of God. I'm going to give you scripture for all of you theologians. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, this is what it says. For if when we were enemies, he's talking about before we came to Christ, unredeemed. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, thank God for the death of his son. But the reason there had to be the death of his son, God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was because we were the enemies of God and God wanted to reconcile his creation back unto himself. That's God's love and mercy and grace. And Romans 5.10 alludes to this. Romans 8.7 says this. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity, Against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Do you want to know why you accept and believe what God's word says and you're not living in your own ideals or belief system? Is because when you become a believer, the spirit of God comes alive in you and you say, you know what? I want to obey his law, obey his word. I want to obey his word. But the carnal mind is the enemy of God. It says, I'm not going to be subject to that. But when you become a Christian, everything changes. Before I got born again, I didn't really have an issue with abortion. I didn't have an issue with what people wanted to do with their lifestyle. I mean, we may have looked and said, well... You know, a little off, but do what you want to do. Whatever feels good, do it. Remember that slogan? Well, I can tell you. When I got saved, I began to get in the Word of God, and I realized that there's a lot of things that I thought were okay that God's Word says are not. And everything began to change. That's why, like last night, when our brother said, Brother Tom said, we can't be soft on things. We, have, we cannot be soft on things. We have to stand for truth. We have to stand for truth. Amen. When it seems like denomination after denomination and this religious group and that religious group are all of a sudden abandoning everything in the Word of God and saying it's okay to be this and it's okay to be that. When the Pope stood up, and I know we're not Catholic, but I'm just going to say it. I know some people are going, Pastor, I'm going to tell you right now. But when the Pope stood up and said that we have people now and, and bishops or fathers or priests or whatever that will do same-sex unions, 
We never thought we'd ever see the day that we would see that happening. But church, it's happening in Protestant denominations too. All over the world. See, I'm going to tell you something. Whenever we suppress the truth, we believe a lie. Holding back the truth in unrighteousness. But getting back to what I was saying here. I was the enemy of God until I got saved. I was not subject to the law. I didn't care what God's law said. I did what I wanted to do. But when I got born again, everything changed. Everything changed. James 4.4 4 says in the word of God that those that are the friend of the world are the enemy of God. I didn't write it, but I can tell you I believe it. He said in, in James 4.4, 4, he said, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever there wherefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that's why we're called to come out from among the world? I know we're in it. We have to exist in it. And we, we transact business. We have to eat. We have to go to school. We have work. We have things. We have, to, uh, we have to occupy and live and exist in this world. But we cannot allow that world to permeate our life. You can, you can put a restraint and discretion on what you watch. On what you listen to. On where you go. And what you allow into your life. Amen. And uh, he said here in the word of God. Do you think that the scripture says it in vain? The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud. But giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Amen. Eagle said, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. In other words, repent. And once you repent, your joy will be restored. But humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Why did I quote all of that? Because... Because this scripture proves that worldly friendship is an alliance with the devil and you wouldn't need to have scriptures to quote for the devil to flee from you if you weren't messing with him. Getting a little hot up here. But God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much. You know, before you can have any oil poured in, there has to be a wound. What must I do to be saved? You got to know this much. You're lost. But an encounter with God will save you if you'll obey his word and the gospel message. He gives a remedy. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
dead in, in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. And he's raised us up to sit. Did you see that? Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. His love for us met us when rebellion and sin and deception and delusion and disappointment and despair met up with God. He met us with that love, that prescription of that. He met Paul on that Damascus road in his religion and his rebellion and his deception. But he began to give him truth. And in that truth, he began to see a change come. And it did come. In Acts 26, verse 14, I'm going to turn there again. And I read it to you earlier, but I'm going to quote it again. Verse 14 and through 16, it says, And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now listen, that encounter brings us to the place that we can really see and hear God and only then can we be lifted up. You want to know why you're down, depressed, tormented, have no joy, seem to have no peace? Because you need God to lift you up. But that lifting comes with a condition. He said, when you're preaching, Paul, know this, that they can be delivered from the devil. They can be delivered from the darkness. They can have sight. And they can have forgiveness of sins. They can be lifted up and changed. The encounter brings us to that place. We can really see and hear God and only then Truly be lifted up. You need to hear your pastor preach this most profound word. Not profound because I'm saying it, but profound because God's word says it to us. Rise, stand upon your feet, he said, Paul. For I've appeared unto you for a purpose, to make thee. God wants to make you something. Make you a man and woman of God. Make you a saint of God. A holy individual a pure heart, a changed person. Ministers are made by God from encounters. Ministers are made by God from encounters. 
people will say, where did, where did who you are and what you are, where did that come from? I can tell you it came from an encounter with God. Amen. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I had an encounter with God, and one day I was in the prison and the jail. And Well, I, even before I, I, I was maybe at that the depth of that, I remember working on my job, and I went down one time, and all the guys that were down there and shipping and receiving, there was about eight of them, they would all get in this little container. It was like a, you know, like a, uh, those containers they put all kinds of stuff in. We'll split it in half. It was a little container. And they're all in there sitting there. They're eating their lunch. And God said, here's your shot. They're eating. They're not going to say nothing. So I started talking to him about God. I'm sharing with him all the things that God has done, the power of God, how he saved me. How the things that I've seen happen, the things I've seen and heard, I declare unto you. I'm just sharing that with them. And I'm just all of these wonderful things. And seven of them were just eating. And <laughs> I went back up to my office and I had a guy. He was an Armenian kid. His name was Sarkis. I can't pronounce his last name, but he was right behind me. And I sat down at my desk and he said, uh, Johnny, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. He said, you know, when you were down there talking, he said, I, 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 I wanted to cry. I had to keep myself from crying. I felt what you were saying. It was like you were reaching into my heart. And I said, Sarkis, God is making himself real to you too. He loves you. And God showed me something that day from that encounter. I never went to Bible school. I never learned hermeneutics or homiletics or exegesis and all of this. I didn't study apologetics. I, 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 at that time, I was very young in the Lord still. But my encounter with God brought me to a place where the people I was talking to, it just came out. It just came out. But he said, I'm going to make you a minister and a witness, Paul. And what you're seeing and will see, there's going to be greater. You have the testimony of what God has done in you now. But as you're walking in your walk with God and your walk of faith and your life as a believer, I'm going to show you more and more things. Because there's not just one encounter. There's multiple encounters. It's one refreshing after another after another. You know why we need the Holy Ghost? Because it's God's means to reveal himself to us. You read that word and you go, man, it's so powerful. And the Spirit of God will come upon you and you go, it just came in 3D. It just came in 3D. It's like when we went to Israel and we were, the first time I went to Israel, we're out there and, and they're saying, we're on the Sea of Galilee. We're on that boat and we're floating, you know, and it's just, we're going out there and the tour guide's giving all the, the information and all the, you know, all the stuff and the knowledge and he's giving us the tour and all that. And he pointed and he said, see right there? He said, that is the Gadarenes. That was the Gadarenes right there. I'm looking and I said, my goodness, I'm right where Jesus was at. And the disciples, when that wind came down and stirred all that up and they were scared to death, 
because they were on their way to the Gadarenes. And that's where I learned for the first time in 2015 why that storm came. He said that devil was trying to keep them from getting to the other side because he knew there's a man up there with a legion of demons in him that when he sees Jesus, he's going to be free. And the devil's shaking in his boots and he's worked up a Eurocladon or a storm. I'll say a storm, not a Eurocladon, but a storm. And he's got it just with, and the boat's going back and forth. And they're scared to death. But Jesus stood up and said, peace be still. And it was. Why did I share that with you? Because the Sea of Galilee, that story, everything became 3D. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, it's like, oh, wow, it's real. This is real. My God. God's means to reveal Himself to us is the Holy Ghost. Pentecost was a game changer. It was a dispensational shift. God is shifting now. He is moving and shifting now. Amen. I'm telling you, God's word to Paul was, I'm going to deliver you from the people, the Gentiles, from the plans and the plots and the schemes of Satan's destruction. Because as you surrender your life wholeheartedly, the devil will come to stop you. You don't need bodyguards to protect the anointing. God's powerful enough to keep us. Somebody said, who's your bodyguard? I said, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. When I was in Nigeria, I said, Pastor Friday, I don't need these men walking around with guns. He said, you will go home. They're walking with you. I paid them. And they're going to stay beside you because you may have the faith to not have them. He said, but I'm going to make sure that you go home. I don't want to make a phone call to Pastor Angela and tell her that her husband was abducted. She said, don't get kidnapped, brother. Because we ain't got a ransom, I can tell you. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say to you is this. God knows how to protect His people. And you know what? You might get a little roughed up. You might get stabbed in the side. You might get stoned and left for dead. You might get berated. You might get persecuted. We live in a time now where if anybody says anything to you, Christian people just are so soft they fall apart. But I'm going to tell you something right now. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Quit you like men. Endure hardness like a good soldier. Because I can tell you, they're going to despise your youth, Timothy. They're going to come against you. But God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's given you a commission from above, and you've got to preach it no matter what they say about you. No matter what they do to you. No matter how they come against you. Person Persecution will come. But he said, Timothy, I want you to know this. And God was saying to Paul, I'm going to deliver you from the people, from the Gentiles. You don't need a bodyguard. You just need to do what I told you to do. And if you're doing what I told you to do, the enemies are going to come out of the woodwork. But keep on preaching. Keep on sharing the gospel. 
This is what we must hear. This was spoken because hell hates the gospel. It hates truth. It hates when God saves, heals, and delivers. But that's our message in verse 18. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness. He said, and an inheritance among them. Which are sanctified by faith in me. That is our message. To minister and witness And open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. This is the crux of it all. The reason people can't get where they want to get in God is because they don't repent. We need forgiveness of sins. This is the message to Mary and Joseph. Call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 121. This is what God encounters us Uh, uh, to go and to do, to see people brought to repentance because sin is our cardinal problem and we need forgiveness of it. It's what separates us from God. But Jesus, through His mercy, built a bridge. God wants us living in eternal life and inheritance, not just forgiveness, but a sanctified life, a pure life, a holy life. Too many people, they stop because they're not taught any better. They stop at just being saved and redeemed. I said, the Holy Ghost is there to make you holy and purify you. And My pastor taught me You can't have more holiness than you have of the Holy Ghost. You must be filled. Church, listen. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You are not going to make it. You're not going to overcome. You're going to be one of the people in the church that the pastor runs from because you're the person that always nitpicks everything. I've had them. When I saw them coming, I thought, oh, Lord, Pastor, you're supposed to love them. I'm going to tell you, after 50 times of the same old cotton-picking thing, I'm like, you know what? They need to get right, and they need to get filled. Because I'm not going to sit down and have one more conversation, one more meeting, because somebody didn't shake your hand. Grow up. Grow up. You know, I'm not going to do that anymore. My goodness, the first time, all right, you're a young baby in Christ. But if you're, you know, been in this thing for 40 years, you need to get the Holy Ghost. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost. And if somebody don't shake your hand, you'll say, well, I'll just pray and ask God to, you know, help me. It's not going to let it bother me. Amen. But I, I, I had one too many meetings and I said, my goodness, these folks seem to get right and they need to just understand I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost because people in the church are going to do things you don't like. They're going to hurt your feelings. I've been hurt by more people in the church than I have anywhere else in the world. It shouldn't be that way, but it happens. But you know, the greatest warfare is right here in these four walls because you get into a, you know, a little kerfuffle or whatever and you're like, I'm out of here. I'm going to tell you something. God don't want you to leave unless he tells you and moves you to leave. I know that happens. But what I'm saying is that just because you got your feelings hurt, you can't move down the road. 
We need to, come on, that was a weak amen. We got to grow up. They didn't shake my hand. Maybe they had to go to the bathroom. And a handshake might have been disastrous. Because those four or five seconds mattered. I had somebody one time, I said, why didn't you, come on, why didn't you shake their hand? and said, Pastor, I'm telling you, it was coming. I thought, well, that explains it. So I've used that. Maybe they had to go to the bathroom. Maybe they didn't see you. Well, they saw me. Well, then pray that they'll change. Amen. Wait. Oh. We need the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I was not disobedient, King Agrippa, verse 19. I preached and I taught. And verse 20, and verse 21, hell got mad for these causes. The Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Automatically, we're made a target. I was serving God. I was minister on the job. There were several jobs that I got called on the carpet. What are you doing talking about this? I had one guy say to me, he said, what are, you, what are you telling all these people about Jesus coming back and all this? You just think one day you're just going to get on out of here. I said, absolutely. I said, aren't you a Christian? He said, yeah. And, and he told me where he went to church. And I said, I just want to tell you something. Just pull up their tenets of faith. They believe the same thing. I was persecuted at Kirk Hill Rubber. I was persecuted at CFI. In churches, I went to a church and preached one time. The Spirit of God came upon me, and it was powerful at a men's, a men's meeting. And the pastor, oh, if looks could have killed, I'd have died. He, he couldn't get me out of that building quick enough. But men came up afterwards weeping, and they said, we needed to hear that. We're going to bring you back next year. I never made it back. They never invited me back. But they, they, he, he just, uh, you know, was so hard. He just looked at me and just, oh, my gosh. You know, but the men came and they were like, brother, we appreciate you so much. To this day, I still got a brother that still texts me periodically, asks me how I'm doing. He's checking on me from probably 10, 12 years ago. But there are people in the church. Whoo. The Holy Ghost makes religious people nervous. <laughs> I was, I'm getting ready to close here. Hang on. I used to work for hospice. We had a Muslim doctor. And I mean, he was staunch. I told him, I'm going to Israel. He said, you mean Palestine? I said, yeah, there too. I wasn't going to get into an argument with him. One of our nurses were sitting at the table there. We had these meetings. And she said, she was talking about people being hit. She said, well, he, he fell off a ladder 20 feet on his head, cracked his skull, had blood in his brain. I remember. And I'm sitting there, and Dr. Khan just looked. And he said, well, what, what kind of surgery did they do? I said, oh, Hallelujah.
I said, they didn't do any. He said, nothing. I said, nothing. He said, tell me about that. I said, well, Dr. Khan, let me tell you. I said, my God healed me. I said, you know what? I said, I was sitting in that, laying in that bed. And I said, I was thinking about, you know, everything that had happened in my life. And I said, as I laid there in that bed, something just rose up within me. Cry out to your God. And I said, I come through that morphine. You were on morphine. I said, I was on morphine. Yes, I was on morphine. But whenever it began to subside a little bit, I came to myself. And I said, God, God, I'm asking you to heal me. And I said, I begin to pray. And I said, God, if you'll heal me, I'll keep on preaching. I'll keep on ministering. I'll keep on going to the prisons. I'll keep on everything I'm doing. And I said, and the Spirit of God came upon me. And he said, everybody in the Bible, when Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, when they walked, they were healed. Amen. He's the God that operates. The I am operates in the I will. I will be thou clean. I will heal you. Amen. He is the God who operates in the impossibilities and problems and situations that seem to be absolutely you know uh, tragic I said but God touched me and I got up out of that bed and walked out of that hospital he just stared at me I said and that is the God I serve You can preach and be a witness and not even realize God's using you to do it. Amen. He looked at me from that moment on, very peculiar. He'd see me. Man. Paul, here in the Word of God, I'm closing. God is trying to say to us that there are people that want an encounter with God. They need an encounter with God. And Festus told Paul, you're nuts. You're mad. But Agrippa said, because you know the devil's always trying to divert. No, 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 no. It's not who you're talking to, it's who's listening. Don't let the devil get you sidetracked. Did you ever notice you'll be talking to somebody and they're like intently listening and somebody else gets mad and they start butting in? You all, you street people, you know. Just remember, you can address that for a second and then go on. Go for the juggler. Amen. Go on. Don't let the devil direct the narrative and, and, and monopolize the narrative. I'm going to talk to them about God even though you tried to intervene and tried to interrupt. But, but I, I just want to say to you that somebody has ears to hear. Somebody has ears to hear. Agrippa said, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian to believe God doesn't want us living in the almost. He wants us living in the uttermost. Who knows if Agrippa sold out to Christ or not. I don't know. But Paul's job was to be a witness. And church, all we need to be is a witness. My dad shared this. I'm closing with this. I promise you. My dad shared a story about a little Pentecostal girl. She was in a Pentecostal church. I mean a holy rolling, shouting, speaking in tongues church. 
There wasn't a church service that wasn't a shouting one. It was a moving, moving church. She had a boyfriend that was Methodist. And she always went to the boyfriend's church. But he always wanted to go to her church. Well, maybe next week, maybe the following week. He finally pressed her and pressed her and said, we always go to my church. I want to go to your church, please. So she said, this Sunday you can go. But she started out at the beginning of the week. Wednesday night service, she went to the pastor. She said, now my boyfriend's coming. I know you're at a level 11, but can you bring it down to about a three or four? Went to the worship leader. Said, can we sing the slow songs? Nothing fast, no camp meeting. Don't get these people running around the building, you understand? Went to everyone that would speak in tongues and give a message. Now listen, my boyfriend's coming. I don't want him to be scared away. Keep it calm, keep it down, keep it mild. She went to everybody in that church. Sunday morning came. She thought she talked to everybody. It only takes one cork to plug up or unplug the flow. So they all stood there and they sang their slow songs. Nobody shouted. Everybody was trying to be, you know. And here sat that young man and that girl. And she thought, thank the Lord they all listened to me. He won't be scared away. There's a little old granny. You know, I'm so grateful grannies don't care. And she's one of those that didn't even ask to testify. You know, that's the kind of churches we used to go. They didn't ask. She said, Pastor, I want to testify. Well, that was one of those moments that it was warranted. And she stood up and she said, Pastor, I just want to testify. She said, I'm so thankful, amen, that the Lord saved me. I'm grateful for my salvation and that he filled me with the Holy Ghost and he set me free. And she started shouting. And before you knew it, she was out there in the middle aisle and she's just praising God she said I don't know what's happened in this church this morning but I thought we were people amen whether you're not liberated I'm liberated and she's worshiping the Lord and she's praising the Lord and somebody stood up in the back and said hallelujah and all of a sudden the pastor began to jump up and down he began to shout they kicked off the music amen and the worship leader got loose amen and he started singing and he started shouting and before you knew it the church was on their feet all of that pent up began to be released and all the spirit of God moved and that young girl jumped up and she ran out the back door outside and her boyfriend ran out behind her and he said what are you doing she said I told him I begged him I told him not to do that he said don't you know that's what I want don't you realize this is what I want I go to a funeral parlor every week. I'm in a place where there's no life. And that's why I'm here. Because I want something different. Don't shut it down. Be that witness God's called you to be. Because that's what's going to make a difference in somebody's life. Oh, we need an encounter with God. 
We need an encounter with God. You want an encounter with God? Stand up here with me today. Stand up with me today. Begin to stand up. Begin to praise God. Begin to praise God. Begin to worship God. Begin to praise Him this morning, church. Begin to praise Him. You want an encounter with God? Say, Lord, I want an encounter with You. Lord, I want movement in my life. Lord, I want to have an experience in You. Lord, I want, Father God, today, Lord, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. If you're here this morning and you want an encounter with God, today is your day. You hear me? Today is your day. Maybe you're here and you say, oh, Pastor, I'm not right with God. Today is your opportunity. Today is your moment of salvation. Today is your moment of visitation. Let God begin to do something in you this morning. Let Him begin to do something in you this morning. Hallelujah. God's trying to do something powerful. There's folks in here. You need an encounter with God. You need a move of God. If you're not saved this morning, come. Come. Come today. God wants to save you. God wants to change you. God wants to do a work in you this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Fill this place this morning. You that are not born again this morning, you've got to know, hallelujah, that God is trying to get a hold of you this morning. He's trying to get a hold of your heart this morning. But you got to let him, church. you got to let him this morning. you got to let him this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.